Welcome to the 60-second installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. I first met Joel Salatin a decade ago and was struck immediately at how he could be entertaining, informative, hilarious, maddening, and controversial, all in the space of one sentence. But Salatin doesn't just talk about sustainable agriculture, he practices it every day. For decades, Joel Salatin's Polyface Farm in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley has served as a model for how to raise livestock in diverse pasture systems. Polyface integrates not only different species of animals in a system he calls stacking, it also integrates those animals into the natural environment. The result is a system that produces healthy food in an efficient manner that is good for the land, the consumer, and just as importantly, the farmer. Salatin's books have inspired a whole generation of people to give farming a whirl, and no wonder, his enthusiasm is infectious. I've met innumerable beginning farmers who credit Salatin for giving them the courage to step into the agrarian life. With book titles like You Can Farm, Salad Bar Beef, and most recently, Everything I Want to Do is Illegal, Salatin is a prolific writer who knows how to entertain, educate, and at times infuriate. Salatin's farming system has also been featured in numerous media outlets, and Michael Pollan's best-selling book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, devoted an entire chapter to Polyface Farm. But nothing beats actually listening to Salatin speak about farming. He proved how enthralling a speaker he is recently while keynoting the Sustainable Farming Association of Minnesota's 18th Annual Conference. During his talk, Salatin spoke about, among other things, the importance of treating alternative food production as a real business. He also laid out a six-part outline for creating a sustainable farming operation. Here's an excerpt of his talk. Uh, now, I appreciate, hey, you know, you're looking at a guy, I don't even have a business plan, I don't have a sales target, a marketing plan, you know, nothing, okay? So, I mean, I'm all about being contrarian against Wall Street, typical Western reductionist, linear, con uh, disconnected, individualistic, fragmented, systematized thinking. But we've got to be careful about, about voluntarily marginalizing ourselves by choice, saying, this farm's going to be me and Matilda. We don't want no employees. We need to understand that our farms are more than business, yes. But at the end of the day, you can't flop your chicken on the IRS table and say, here are my taxes. And we need to have businesses that actually generate a profit and a cash stream that will attract and romance the next generation into it, that they won't feel like the poorest guy in the neighborhood, that they can actually have enough money to put shoes on their children's feet and, and, and take, the, you know, take the spouse out to dinner once in a while and do some, some normal things, maybe even go to an art museum. Imagine a farmer at the art museum. You know. If we're going to have, we need, we need, we need to have as a vision in our movement that farmers earn a white-collar salary. We need to pay our bills. We need to make a profit. We need to, we need to appreciate the other players in the game. I'll talk about that more at the end. But we need to be efficient, and we need to not be scared to let this thing grow so that we enjoy some economies of scale. I know saying that makes you sound like, oh, he's coming from the dark side. But the fact, there are, there are economies of scale, you know. That's why, we, that's why we pull double eggmobiles instead of just one. It takes just as much energy to hook up to one and pull it as it does two. And so we need to adopt. We need to not be afraid to talk about profitability, efficiency, and any other proper business language that any good, any good successful business would talk about. 
I'm going to wrap this up with staying sustainable. This will be the upbeat part, okay? Staying sustainable. And let me say this, that I think that part of sustainability is having a multi-generational entity. You know, my definition of sustainability is the farm business outlasts the previous generation. You know, if we don't have businesses, if we don't have farm businesses that can attract and romance and the next generation into them, we're not sustainable. I'm going to give you a six-part sustainable business, what I see, what we have to be doing to, be, to, to stay within the context of everything I've described to stay sustainable. A, there are six components of this. Production. Production would include stacking, aesthetic and aromatic, aesthetic and aromatic pleasantry. Okay? I mean, if our farm, if every part of our farm is not a place where a kindergarten class can come and sit on a five-gallon bucket for an hour and enjoy, we got problems. I mean, that's why the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker got run out of the village because the industrialization, they got so stinky, smelly, polluty, and anti-human, nobody wanted them around. And when you ostracize the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker to outside the village, they start cutting corners environmentally, economically, nutritionally. It's only when we re-embed the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker in the village so everybody sees what goes in the front door and what comes out the back door that we actually have transparency, and with the transparency comes the ultimate accountability. We need to be practicing relationally symbiotic plant, 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 animal, animal, animal relationships. We need to be doing lots of relationships. You know, industrial agriculture doesn't want any relationships. I mean, they don't even want farmers. They think it's great that we now have twice as many prisoners locked up in prisons in America, and then we have farmers. And this is so successful that we should export it to other countries and they should be like us. But we are in the relationship business. We're making relationships between cows and chickens, between earthworms and cows and pigs and compost and, and all of these, these neat symbiotic synergistic companion relationships. That's our job. That's what we do is build and massage and heal relationships. We need to be about scalable and economies of scale. I talked about that already a little bit. We need to be dealing with multiple-use infrastructure. We need to appreciate that we, that we don't want single-use, highly depreciable things uh, on our farms. We want multiple-use infrastructure. We want to be seasonal so you have downtime, so you can come to a conference, so you can think, so you can read a book. Seasonality. We need diversity to create an exciting life. So we're not doing the same thing every day, every day, a day. So there's no drudgery. The diversity creates this excitement. So, so those are some of the aspects of production. And then we need processing. Processing, a, a, a real local food system, a sustainable food system that works, instant include processing. We gotta, we gotta get it customer ready. You know, most people don't want us to go in and slap down an Angus steer on their, on their kitchen table and say, here he is, catch him, it's rare. Somebody's got to kill it, package it, dice it, chop it, get it customer ready. That's processing. The third component is marketing. Somebody's got to market this stuff. And this is where many farmers fall down because many farmers, you know, we just want, we don't want to be with people. We want to be out, you know, smelling the humus on the back 40. And most farmers don't like to do this because we get so emotionally wrapped up in what we're doing that we take it personally when somebody doesn't want to buy from us. And so because we're so paranoid of being rejected, we never touch anybody with a sale because what if he doesn't want to buy it? And of course we're wired this way. I understand. We, we know what stops us more than what makes us go. That's why we call them stoplights and not go lights. You know, I mean, we're wired that way. But we've got to get over that. You know, it's a big world. 
So every one of these, every, every this sustainable business system, this local food system needs a gregarious storyteller schmoozer. And if you don't have one in your organization, you've got to find one. I'll give you one guess who it is in mine. <laughs> and if you don't have one, go get a, you know, a former Amway distributor that can sell a hat rack to a moose, you know, and sign them up. Somebody has to sell. Selling is hard work. There's lots of venues, CSAs, farmers markets, restaurants, institutions, your neighbors. Uh, we use metropolitan buying clubs, retail, internet. You know, there's tons of marketing venues, and we need people to be able to articulate the story and, and put it out there. The fourth is accounting. Somebody has to watch the money. Somebody's got to balance the checkbook. And if your accounting is you put everything in a box and at the end of the year, you know, find what's in there, well, it's not going to be very effective. The fifth part is we need distribution. We need to be networking and, and working together economies um, and running these distribution networks as, as, as self-standing separate business entities. This is fast, in my opinion, becoming the weak link with energy prices and, and just the whole distribution network. And finally, we need patrons. We need patrons that will meet us halfway, that will eat seasonally, that know where their kitchen is. No culture has ever spent so much remodeling kitchens and been so lost as to where they are. I mean, I remember well, I'll be very sexist here, 30 years ago, every one of our, of our women customers, and, you know, we, basically the sales were through the women, every one of them knew how to cut up a chicken. That was just like, you know, generic, eclectic, ubiquitous, domestic culinary knowledge. Now, say, bones? A chicken has bones? <laughs> they don't even know a chicken has bones. Had a lady whisper in my ear at a Metropolitan Buying Club drop a few weeks ago. She pulled me aside. She says, how do you make a hamburger? I said, you're kidding me. She said, no. I said, my husband and I have been vegetarians for 15 years, and now that we found out we can save the planet most efficaciously with mob stocking, herbivorous solar conversion, lignified carbon sequestration, fertilization, pastured livestock, we got to eat this meat, and, and, and he wants a hamburger. I don't know how to make it. I mean, we, we, you know, it's like Wes Jackson says, we don't have, we don't have a, an information explosion. We have an information implosion. And so we need patrons who, who want to learn and, and be a part of these, you know, domestic culinary skills. Use the whole animal. You mean he's got a tongue? Yeah, he's got a tongue. People who want, are interested in quality and integrity, we call them our cheerleaders. And these people become our support network. We all work this together. This is our lifeline as we continue to heal the food system. So finally, in conclusion, here's the thing. As we go out about our daily lives, and this room is full of everybody from hardcore farmers to hobby farmers to non-farmers to city people to chefs to college students. Here's the thing we've got in common, folks. We all eat. We all have a responsibility to create sacredness and nobility in that act. So whatever part we play, production, processing, distribution, accounting, marketing, patroning, whatever point we play, whatever niche we fill in that, in that web and connected uh, a web of food system, we bring to it our integrity as we honor the heritage and the wisdom. And in this room is the mindset, the paradigm, the worldview, the heart passion that is the antidote for the paranoia, the fear, the freaking, and the insecurity of our day. We have that antidote. We have that answer. Ultimately, all of us 
fill a part in bringing healing. And we don't have to wait for a law to do it. We don't have to wait for a tax plan or a stimulus package or a politician to be elected. We can bring healing in our niche, in our sphere of influence every day. A bit of sacred ministry and nobility to our call, our causing, and our ministry. And we hold that in our hands and our hearts. May we be faithful as we execute that enormous privilege day to day as the Sustainable Farming Association of Minnesota. Thank you very much for letting me hear. To learn more about Polyface Farm, see www.polyfacefarms.com. That's polyfacefarms.com. The Sustainable Farming Association of Minnesota's website is www.sfa-mn.org. That's sfa-mn.org. If you'd like to comment on the content of this podcast or have story ideas, contact me, Brian DeVore, at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. Or you can call me at 612-722-6377. A special thank you goes out to Laura Borgendale, a western Minnesota musician who provided Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a very special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you'd like to support the Land Stewardship Project, see www.landstewardshipproject.org for information on how you can become a member. Thanks for listening.